0: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One.
1: Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. My guest is somebody who has never been on Real GM Radio before, the great J.E. Skeets. Formerly of the Basketball Jones and the Starters, now of the new No Dunks podcast, which is on The Athletic. And we have a great conversation going through different phases of his career, what it was like to be around for the raptors championship last year what he is looking forward to in the upcoming nba season and so much more a little bit in the weeds about how his various different projects have been made which i thought was really fun and the logistics of of doing all of that so great conversation brought to you by betonline.ag use that podcast one promo code for a 50 sign up bonus conversation runs just about an hour and i'm confident you will really enjoy it thanks so much for coming on thank
0: you danny thanks for having me man
1: it is pretty amazing considering how, how long our paths have been connected that we've never done a podcast together. But that also means that there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And we might as well start with the new news, which is, which is really exciting, that your collection of amazing talent is headed to The Athletic.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Not only are we heading to The Athletic or headed to The Athletic, we're heading back to our podcast roots, um, doing the daily podcast now and a whole lot more in store. Uh, And it is funny. You're right. Like we have probably done between the two of us, I don't know, like (laughs) bordering on what, like 5,000 podcasts at this point, maybe not that much, but a whole lot of podcasts and we've never talked, but uh, I'm glad we finally made it happen.
1: Yeah. And it's also funny because we've we've met in person a few times and because there are a lot of connections between it, most notably for me being that the Basketball Jones is openly a part of how I started podcasting because in the early days, my memory is it was the single digit episodes of the Basketball Jones. One of my friends in college who actually co-founded the blog that was the first thing I ever did, he said, hey, you should listen to this. And it was, you know, these Canadian guys who were recapping what had happened the day before. And it was a really fun listen. And I had never even really thought about what like what that would be what it would look like and you and Tass and JD were really what started that idea for me of what a daily basketball podcast
0: would be that's really cool to hear Um, yeah we're old we've been doing this for a very long time if you were listening into the single digits then we are you know we're talking about 2006 we started that podcast then as the basketball jones in January 06 Um, so you were probably listening that first year there so that's a long long time ago uh we've had a lot of podcasts under our belts and then you know obviously we took the show to uh to Atlanta and turned it into a television show for a bit And now we're right back full circle doing podcasting daily so it's uh that's pretty well That's very cool to hear though uh there's been a couple of people um you know within the media that have said sort of similar things uh inspired them or um at least were there at the beginning to sort of maybe push them in the right direction like yourself uh into doing it yourself and writing about the NBA and, and podcasting about it that's really cool to hear so
1: on, in the spirit of Full Circle, it has been, yeah, about 13 years since you guys started in that, and obviously things have changed a lot since then. But really, how do, you, how do you think the experience for you, now going back to the audio-only medium, how do you think the passage of time has affected your mentality, and how do you think it's affected your vision for the show?
0: Um Honestly, not a ton when it comes to the actual show. I think at its core, it's always been this, even when it was a television show, is a bunch of buddies uh, getting together in whatever medium we're making it, uh, podcasting or television, and just talking hoops and talking about the big games and having some fun with it and obviously cracking on each other. And that's been like that really since day one with Tass and I and JD. And then we've added, of course... Uh, Matty O, who has come and gone but we still got Trey and we got Lee the Aussie so at its core it's just that and I think that's what resonates with a lot of our listeners and hopefully the people that watch the show as well when we were the starters um, that we are not putting on an act we love basketball we love the NBA we obviously love talking about it and we try and have some fun while we're doing that so it's still going to be that um, really with uh, no dunks Um, it's just now people know what the heck a podcast is I mean in 06 No one knew what it was. Very, very few people um, knew what it was at the beginning. And when I would tell my friends or family, you know, it was like they were just looking at me with blank stares. Like, yeah, it's sort of like radio, but you can listen to it whenever you want. And you just got to find it and download it. But now, I mean, everybody has what it feels like a podcast. feels like everybody's doing a daily podcast for crying out loud. Like if you're an NBA fan, it feels like you could listen to an NBA podcast 24 seven all week, uh, and have like a new one and an exciting one and a different type of one. Cause there's so many types of shows now. Um, so that's the biggest thing. Just, just everybody now knowing what the heck a podcast is and, uh, and really incorporating it into their daily lives, which you become a huge part of, uh, people's just daily lives.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, people have adjusted how they think about commutes and, and, drives or whatever it's going to be runs. I I talked to so many people who, or doing yard work or housework or whatever it's going to be, and that it's just a companion for their lives. And I think that's a really interesting kind of lifestyle shift that has happened for a lot of people. The two other changes that I thought of for relative to like kind of the last couple phases is more open in terms of timing. I mean, I think this is going to be more like the drop, where it's not, you know, you're not trying to compress... What you do and it's great into a specific amount of time, whether that's you know like for the starters or anything else. You can if it's a longer one or a shorter one, you can do whatever you like.
0: That's exactly right. That's what I'm most excited about. That is the that is the real challenge with television, um, which is is can be fun. Like you are put into a bit of a box. You've got 22 minutes. Well, what are you talking about? What's really important? Um, What can you do creatively within that 22 minutes? And you've got a day to do it because we were doing a daily show, so the turnaround is quick. But You're right. There were many, many times where we would have arguments, of course, in the office about what was important that we should be leaning with, what we should be talking about. And while you could take a subject, obviously a ton of subjects across the NBA and talk about them for 10 minutes to an hour, um, that doesn't really work in television. You need to be punchier and you need to get your point across quick and keep the pace going. At least that's how we that's how we approached our show um, probably with a younger audience in mind as well. So that was always, uh, especially with Matty O as our producer at the time was always, a it was, uh, you know, give and take sort of like, Hey, we really want to sink our teeth into this topic. But the counter is he's like, yeah, but get it across in three or four minutes. And if you can't, then you're doing it poorly. Uh, let's keep it going on to the next thing. So back to podcasting, which is, you know, so much fun about it is we can go however long we want about a particular topic. Once it's uh, not interesting, well, that's when I'm moving us on to the next thing. And and even if we're talking about it, we can go on a tangent here and have some fun or talk about something completely unrelated, and we can come back and then get back into the main topic. Like That's the cool part about a podcast. Uh, it can be a little meandering. In a good way, um but you still as long as I still think you sort of have a sort of a backbone sort of uh you know where you're going with the podcast, I think that's uh, beneficial for everyone, so you're not just blabbing, 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 there's a bit of a backbone to it, but you can have a lot more fun with it. I think that's for sure spoken like a true host
1: i mean I, <laughs> that that's something that every once in a while on various things that I've been on, the idea of having a backbone is either either prevalent or not prevalent, and you can really see the difference between the two, and some people like one, some people like another, but it's also right. about what, what you're comfortable with. The other change, this is more to earlier, and this is actually something I genuinely don't know, which is part of why I'm asking about it. From what I recall, when you, Tass, and JD started the Basketball Jones, you were doing it, like, before work, is that right? Like, you were you were doing it, like, super early in the morning Toronto time, and then and then
0: still having a normal life, is that right? That's, that's exactly right. I mean, when we started the podcast, we obviously weren't being paid by anybody to yeah. do the podcast like we are now with The Athletic, which is uh, fantastic, of course, to make a living doing it. But yeah, when we started in 06, we did it for four years where it was like a second job that we weren't seeing a single dime for. And if anything, putting our own money into it. Um, and that's right. We would in the early, early days, we would get up in our in our house and wherever each guy was and jump on skype and do the podcast that way and then post it uh and then we would go off to our normal day jobs and then we started to veer into doing video podcasting because we thought maybe that was the best bet to eventually sell the show um or start to you know get into television production which i guess in the end we were right about but that was meeting together at like eight or nine in the morning and actually making the video podcast, editing it, getting it up, and uh, heading off to our second job. So yeah, we did that for a long, long time um, before we were then picked up by The Score in Canada, which was a sports network doing podcasting, starting to do television, and then obviously that's led to The Starters and then now back to No Dunks
1: as somebody who has done some video but no very little television do, did you feel like the 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 visual part of especially for the starters of it was was a challenge or was it something that you got used to like how, how did that ebb and flow over the time that you were with with the score and with NBA TV
0: yeah it's the actual being on television I mean being on TV it's it's very foreign it's just a weird environment with the cameras and the lighting and the fake backdrops and stuff like that. It's just sort of, it, it's just, it's it obviously doesn't come across on the television screen so much, but when you're in it, it's quiet and it's just sort of strange. Um, it's not intimate, like sort of a podcast booth or like a radio booth or something like that. So it's weird in that way. And that was a bit of an adjustment, though we had done the video podcast, so We're pretty comfortable being on camera, um, Tass and I, because we had done the reps and we don't try and put on an act. And I am who I am on TV just as the exact same as I am when I'm not. So that's like you're not really playing a character. So that's good. I think that's that's helpful. And, you know, I feel like we're fairly confident guys. So that generally helps in television as well. Um, But we were naive when we went down to Atlanta with the podcast, really, which was our bread and butter in Canada for all those years that we thought we could take the podcast and just put it on TV. Like we just thought that's, that's what we were going to do. We were going to marry the two and it will be no problem. And it did not take long to find out that that was just – that's just not how it works. We were, we were doing a disservice to both making a, a better TV show and then we were actually hurting our podcast at the same time. Um, so it took a while. I mean it really took about a year to be like these are just two different mediums and to do them the way we want to do them – we got to separate them. We got to focus on a 22-minute daily television show and then continue to focus because it was near and dear to our hearts to continue the podcast. We were never paid to do the podcast when we were in Atlanta with uh, NBA TV. That was just something we wanted to continue to do because that's sort of how we had built our brand and our success uh, was uh, was off of that. So yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, it is weird. Television is just weird. I like it. It's fun. I think we had a lot of fun and I was really proud of the work we did with the Starters I think it's really started to grow on people and I actually think it's had quite an influence on a lot of other sports shows we are now starting to see and the way they implement some of the sort of the vibe of our show and the segments and stuff like that, the pace of it. Um, So that's cool, but I'm excited with all that said to not have to worry about putting eight hours into a 22-minute show and instead do a really fun, um, sort of more easy-flowing podcast and then get to do a whole bunch of other things because there's a lot of time left in the day. So I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And the idea of having them as separate entities makes, fit, fits together well with me because, I mean, not only the visual element, but as you talked about, the timing and the structure and everything else, it's just, it's just very different. For better and for worse, it's, yeah. just, it's just different. And yeah. something that I've always admired about you guys, more because I experienced it for such a brief period of time, is that you do, a daily, that you do daily NBA content while being based on the East Coast, because Nate and I, we're we're on the West Coast, we've long said that it's so much easier out here because the games end at a somewhat reasonable hour and then we <laughs> so we record everything, then we, we put it out before we go to bed. But you guys from Toronto to Atlanta, you you've been out there and my instinct is that it's significantly harder even just to stay up for the for the end of the games.
0: Oh, man. I'm very envious of you guys on the West Coast. Uh, Yeah, it can be challenging. I mean, I've done it for so long that I guess I'm sort of used to it. But you're right. You get into those late games and you want to watch them because they're generally great games, especially, you know, the marquee games. But it's it can be difficult at times to uh, still be engaged into the game and really focusing and, uh, you know, at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, knowing that you got a, a pretty, you know, a pretty quick sleep and a quick turnaround to get into it. But yeah, we have done it for so, so long because we've always been on East coast that, um, uh, we sort of figured it out. And if I don't watch the late game, you know, now at night, because I am getting older and I'm crankier at night, uh, you know, I, I have the benefit of being able to watch it now in the morning um which is uh which is great and i know i know lee's doing that he ain't staying up till one thirty in the morning i'll tell you that he's asleep by 10 he's watching these games in the morning um but it is it is weird and i i, I i'm very envious i like i i'm a big fan of you guys i listened uh i listened to the dunked on uh pretty religiously i'm one of those guys that's always out running listening to you guys in my ear and uh yeah, I love that idea of like watching the games at a somewhat normal time and then talking about them right after. And then, hey, it's up, and now I'm going to bed. Oh, that does seem nice.
1: It, it, it structures the days differently. If you want to file it away, the, the other ones that I proposed, one of these today, years ago, that Hawaii is just three hours earlier than where we are. So then you could get done around dinner time, which sounds wow. pretty awesome. And then wow. when I threw that to somebody, they said the real extreme would be Bali. Because in <laughs> Bali, basically, it would be a nine to five. Just it would be structured very differently. But uh, you'd so you start watching the weird. games at nine in the morning, and it's
0: so weird. Yeah, so I mean, weird. But it would be great.
1: It, it really would be, and and you get into just the the dynamics of. Of finding a, finding a life, finding a rhythm that you're comfortable with, and that does get hard. Like, yeah, there've been times when I've been on the East Coast, you know, visiting family, or just out there and, rec- and recording. It just was totally different. I'm sure it will be different for you. I think you'd like it a lot. But you, you get into what you what you do, and something that I've always found interesting and and impressive about about you guys and whatever configuration you're in at that moment, including including Lee and and Trey, of course. Is the balance between being incredibly enthusiastic and being analysts and I, I, and it's i 've long told people because they 've asked me about this dynamic with with Nate or with all, all the other things that I do about how you do that, and my answer has always been be true to yourself and however you've, however that balance works for you is probably going to be the best thing for the show. Is that something that you've thought about or talked about as a group in terms of getting that balance right between analyst, fan, and everything else?
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, from day one, uh, we've always had this conversation about the balance. We, we basically call it the balance of, of being silly and funny and all of that fun, creative stuff but not being total clowns not tipping too far that way where there is no no actual in, uh, analysis information about the game maybe you're learning something new because we're doing the work and you know we're listening to you guys and we're reading as many people as we can and obviously watching the games and have been doing it a long time so we have you know formed opinions about players and teams um and trends and stuff like that but it's always always the balance because i think it's it, you want you know for us because it works for us is uh, we don't want to tip one way too much where it's can be maybe boring to some people if it's too hardcore and we're just getting into the numbers. And then you just don't want to be just a complete clown where it's all pick and payoffs and I'm getting wedgies and all that. Like it is that sort of um, finding that balance that sort of maybe works for as many people as possible. And I think people like both too. Um, and it helps your credibility when you then go off the rails and talk about something ridiculous and Lee's telling a story about Billy Joel concert you know it that pairs better when it's right up against you know a, an informed opinion about a team or a player and stuff like that, or maybe you, or maybe a piece of information that you're learning as a listener or a viewer. So yeah, we have always always um sort of not struggled, I think we've done a pretty good job of it for the most part, but always are pretty conscious of that that balance between the two.
1: Conscious is a really good word for it. And that made it so much more enjoyable for me to, like, for the end of this past year to see, I mean, the Raptors have been good for a long time, but to see it finally culminate and not only making the NBA Finals, but then winning the NBA Finals and... I was just, you know, I was happy for a lot of people, including, of course, the members of the team and the organization, everything else. I have. But I was really happy for you guys. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 a very different thing to have to not only have a team that you care about do well, but the combination of having that happen while also, you know, having a show and everything else. It was just such a it was such a cool experience.
0: It was surreal. I mean, I was getting so many texts and tweets about the Raptors winning the title and congratulating me on it. Like as if I was a part of the team, as if I was on the bench or in the locker room on the staff or something like that's how many people were reaching out. And again, congratulating me on it, um, which was surreal. And I think I really truly like, because we started this so long ago, I mean, we started this, we started in 06, like days after uh, Kobe hung 81 on the Raptors. Um it's, we've had a lot of dark times as Raptors fans. And because we did a daily show that came across, across a lot of shows, um, either, you know, our frustration with the team or another brutal playoff loss and living and dying with them. So for them to finally, you know, like you said, make it to the finals and then ultimately win it, uh, people had been following that sort of that our journey as raptors fans for a very long time and if the raptors weren't their favorite team maybe they were their second favorite team just cuz they were you know fans of the jones or the starters or us or whatever so yeah it was pretty surreal and then on top of that we knew we were moving on from the starters um so it was a very very strange um almost you know perfect ending to that form of the show um, because i was up in toronto doing live hits for the guys who were back in atlanta and i got to be here in toronto when they ultimately pulled it off and it was uh, sort of full circle in a way we're obviously not done by any means we're excited with no dunks but that was a it was a perfect little uh you know closing chapter for the starters going out you know weirdly on top because our team a team that we always talked about and by no means hit our allegiance to uh, on the show you know won the title it was pretty surreal
1: Likely, especially surreal because, to an extent, it came out of nowhere. I mean, DeRozan Kawhi trade—you know—that that was shocking when it happened, and then I mean, from that point, it all—it became to me a more serious possibility that the Raptors could put it together and win the championship. But they weren't favored to win the championship until basically got into it and everything else that happened, and so it wasn't a situation where you could kind of see oh it looks like everything's going to fit together so beautifully i mean he, he, they could have just as easily lost to to the sixers they could have lost to the bucks they could yep. have lost to the warriors and instead it and and those are to me as a fan which i'm strangely not for the nba because i didn't grow up watching it the unexpected successes are in some ways more more you relish them more because you you get to go through it in a different process and when it comes and it's anticipated and uh, uh, if you don't win it's more of like a disappointment then it's it's a different thing and so to have it where just seeing how long the ride goes and then the ride just happens to go all the way to a parade
0: it's even better it was it's crazy it was like just the perfect run like you're right like especially of course with the four bounce shot in game 7 with Kawhi and then rallying back from 2-0 against the Bucs and then the unfortunate injuries of course to a lot of the Warriors Stars players it was just like it was felt like it was meant to be like surreal um and now everything just aligned for the Raptors uh after years and years and years of uh disappointment um so I think when when put alongside all that disappointment it made it even sweeter and uh, it, it's so it was so cool to me. Like I got to go on the air right after they won live from Jurassic Park, which was pandemonium, as you can imagine. Um, like the viewing party outside uh, the Scotiabank Arena here in Toronto, watching Game Six on the on the big screen, and I just remember talking about on the air. Everything was a bit of a blur, but I just remember talking about how when I was a kid and the Blue Jays were winning World Series. That, to me, like, that was my peak baseball fandom. That's when I was out wanting to play baseball and taking up the sport. And I was just kept imagining, I'm sure that is happening right now with, you know, a a ton of boys and girls, young kids across Canada with basketball. Like, their team just won, and now I want to go play the sport, um... So that's so I mean that's, that's a cool feeling just I, I've been around obviously for a long time just seeing where Canada basketball has come come from. So that it's a uh, pretty pretty neat um that it just happened. Even if it was just for one year. That's uh, that's going to be a championship that you can never take away and is going to be enjoyable 20, 30 years from now just as much as it, as it was in June.
1: Right. And and there are two different dynamics for that Raptors championship that I think are going to be really interesting to follow. One of them you just brought up is the the fact that Toronto is really Canada's team that, I mean, I wish there were a team still in Vancouver and I have, I have my own misgivings and I'm sure there are people within Canada that, that have different allegiances just as there are within the United States who aren't loyal to the, the team in the area where they're living or something else, you know, there are all sorts of reasons, but the idea, and, and I did see this, you know, like through, through my own work of the, the collective pride of that. And, And you're right that that will have these, spillover effects for a generation or two in terms of people who maybe they didn't watch basketball as regularly as as you and I have the last 10 years but they caught up with this team and they're they're going to become a fan of the sport because it's a great sport to watch and it's a really fun one to play and so kids can just embrace it. And and maybe they found something new that will bring joy and maybe even purpose to their lives.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Exactly right. And not only kids. I mean, there is no doubt. I mean, even my own family members, heck, I've done an NBA show for a decade plus now. And uh, even this run, had family members that were either hockey fans or other sports fans of other leagues, um, you know, becoming Raptors fans and like watching every game and being invested and asking questions. And are we going to keep Kawhi Leonard and all that? Like it really turned people um, into Raptors fans and hopefully, you know, moving forward basketball fans. Um, There is no doubt about that. So, and look, I was just asked this on another podcast. Someone was like, okay, well, Now that the Raptors have won a championship, I mean, that I'm sure was that sort of the top of your bucket list when it comes to sports, like what's next. And I had to think about it for a second, but now it's almost like the next like bucket list item sports wise would be to see the senior men's Canadian basketball team have some success, like to beat, you know, Team USA in a big tournament or to win a gold medal or at least medal in an Olympics. And Maybe these two things are linked in a weird way, as we're saying, like these kids that got invested, hopefully in this run are going to maybe take to the sport. And with Canada basketball on the rise, uh, those kids turn into players. And, uh, and maybe that does happen. Maybe that's something I'll see in my lifetime. I don't know. That probably is on my list, though.
1: Makes total sense, and I mean, we did just see Canadian soccer beat Team USA, and I, I believe that was a friendly, but still yeah. still notable all the same. Plenty more to talk about with J.E. Skeets, but first message from betonline.ag. This is a great time in sports with just so much going on, NBA regular season about to start, football. Full swing baseball. You have the ALCS still going on, and then the World Series coming up soon. Congratulations to the Nationals for making it. And you can also check out the hashtag Sportsnet Challenge, which I'm a part of. Still doing pretty well in it. And we also have a $5,000 season-long charity contest. And whatever you're into, there's a lot going on. And whatever you do, if you go to betonline.ag. Use that Podcast One promo code for a 50% sign-up bonus, which is absolutely fantastic. Week seven in the NFL. New Orleans, Chicago is going to be interesting, Baltimore, Seattle, Philly, Dallas, see what's going on with the Cowboys, then college football, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon at Washington, and then of course, as I mentioned, the baseball playoffs, and if it's something that you're going to be watching anyway, and you just want to be more interesting, or if you think you have insight that will be useful, either way, you can check it out, betonline.ag, and don't forget to use that promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% sign up bonus, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. The other part of it, and you alluded to this as well in your original answer, that makes this Raptors championship distinct, at least in the modern era, is that we already know, you know, it's only a few months away, still, still thankfully a recent memory, that it's going to be a fundamentally different Raptors team. And they're probably not going to win a championship this year. It will be a fundamentally different championship defense And as my as my current Toronto emissary for this point, and you obviously it's not going to be a monolith, people will have different opinions on this, how do you think that dynamic being so different where Kawhi and Danny Green are in Los Angeles now affects the way that people will see not only the championship, but also this upcoming season?
0: Yeah, it is weird. It's very strange entering this season as a Raptors fan, but it's weird for me and I think a lot of people in a good way. It's everybody after the fallout of Kawhi Leaving uh, and Danny Green, like you said, everyone's still like, it's okay, it happened, and we won a title. Like I don't I still think people struggle saying the words out loud that the Raptors are defending champions and that they won a title. That it's still to me, it is weird when I say it, and I can't help like but smile when I say it. I got I can't wipe the smile off my face right now saying it. Um, But it does make for a very odd season here because you're right. They're not expected to go back and defend their title in the finals. Like they're not even half the people out there don't even expect them to make the playoffs, which I think people are going overboard with that. I think they're still maybe a great team. But yeah, they're not they're not in contention probably to win a title again. And that's fine. It's totally fine. People are more excited to see. Well, what's next here? Is Pascal Siakam a star player? Is he a star player? Let's try and find out. Is there another path Delsiaca here on the roster? Is it OG? Is it uh, is it uh maybe a reclamation project in in like a Ronde Hollis or a Stanley Johnson or a Patrick Bell? It's probably not, but is there? I mean that's the that'll be the storylines. And then the what does Masai do with the contracts? Does you know, we just stay with the vets and see how great they are and if they can get home court advantage and maybe they're you know all these vets can win a playoff series or two and put scare into the Bucks and Sixers again. Who knows? but it's fun it's all these like what ifs and what's going to happen here and it's all right because you still got to call the raptors the defending champs uh everyone's just really on cloud 9 still so it's uh it's going to be like like is it, if there's not really that much pressure in a weird way heading into this season it's just enjoy it still and let's see what the next sort of iteration of this team is in Masai we trust so that's the good thing i mean he's he has he has definitely built up the trust in this city and country. So you, you got to at least see what he does with your Lowry's and your Gasol's and your Ibaka's and some of these new pieces. And you got to trust him because uh, he's proven to be able to come through
1: transitioning into a new stage is always so much easier when the management is is not a question mark and there are so many teams I mean one of the things that people associate with me is that ownership is the biggest competitive advantage in the NBA and the Raptors have done a beautiful job of making that not a problem and you know if they need to pay some money they'll pay some money and that involves the the management staff as well and Masai's done a wonderful job he's still there I'm really happy that he is still there and stewarding the next stage wherever that ends up taking it and the idea of it being gravy is a really healthy fan perspective, and I'm really happy that it's there. And also, I will note, as somebody who has seen a fan base go through this, that a fundamental point in it that will be really interesting is when they actually put the banner up. Because remember, that hasn't happened yet. The guys haven't gotten the rigs yet. All of those, yeah. all of those other pageantries, I mean, and winning the championship and the pre- and the, the Parade, those are really big, but there there is something about ring night. I mean, I've, I've attended three of them in person. It was great and memorable every single time, but it, it is a very visceral experience, and I would recommend to anybody—I've also been when the Giants won a couple of times— that is maybe my favorite game to attend. And I, I, I've thought about traveling around the league and each year going to that because it is, it's is—it's such a cathartic moment, not only for the fans, but also for everybody in the organization because most most people don't get to have that opportunity more than once.
0: Oh, Danny, you're trying trying—you're convincing me to go down. I'm, I'm here actually in Toronto. And it's a whole other story with the podcast, but I'm here in Toronto while some of the guys are in Atlanta. and That's how we're doing no dunks right now. You're almost talking to me. I got to get down to the arena for opening you, night. You have to. You have ceremony.
1: to, it will be, it will be something you'll never forget. I mean, I mean honestly.
0: yeah. Ooh, I, I, I believe you. I a hundred percent believe you. I, I was fortunate. I mean, I was in the arena for game five with the Duran injury. That was surreal. That game was just insane as everybody knows. Um, and I was there for game six uh, with the buck series too. And then moving to the finals, that was awesome. Um, I hear you, but I had plans. Like I obviously have uh, a lot of friends that still live in Toronto and most of them are Raptors fans and have been for a long time, or NBA fans. So we were we were planning on the uh, you know go to a bar and have a great night out uh, while we watched the two games. But ooh, I uh, might have to pull. You I might want to might, the might
1: have them. And but the other nice thing is that's all before the game, so you could even do something where you go that's for true. that, and then you maybe you watch the second half. And then also you get to you get to see Zion in person, which
0: is which isn't that, the worst thing in the world. No, no, it's not at all. You can't go wrong. I can't yeah. really go wrong with either option. No. I'm either going to be at a bar with friends or or be in the arena. But uh, luckily, I have the probably the ability to do both because we're we're blessed to be in this job. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Still more to talk about with Jay e. Skeets, but first a message from us, actually. Thank you so much for listening to Real GM Radio, and I would like to ask a small but very important favor that only takes a few minutes, and if you're one of the first people to do it, Podcast One will make it worth your time. Need you to complete a short survey because the information you give us can help make things better for the show in general and for you as a listener. Just go to podcastone.com survey, and everything will be right there for you. That's podcastone.com survey. The first 250 people who complete the survey will get a $10 gift card for Amazon, and two grand prize winners will be selected at random to get a $100 Amazon gift card, so it really is a win-win. Helps us as a show, and you could potentially get money out of it, especially if you if you do it early on. Our shows are supported by advertisers, so filling this out will help us cater to your needs as a listener. So again, podcast dot slash survey, answer some questions, and potentially make some money along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Something else that I wanted to talk with you about is like, yeah, the Raptors are, are this great story, but we are so fortunate to be heading into a really fascinating fun wide open NBA year and instead of narrowing it down I'll just keep it as an open
0: question to you what are you most excited about for this coming season I mean that's just it you said it it's I have done this so long now I can't remember a season heading into it where it does truly truly and I don't think I'm exaggerating like I could talk myself into easily seven or eight teams um, you know being in the finals winning the championship it was just that just generally doesn't happen. Um, in the NBA. And it makes it so exciting, um, you know, with all the new duos, all the movement we had as well. Everything's just new. And how is it going to work? And Westbrook and Harden, obviously LeBron and AD, and on and on and on. Um, will it be smooth? Will it not? Are they going to butt heads? All that is so much fun. Because again, it's like it was the perfect ending for the starters with the Raptors winning the title. And then it's even better now with no dunks at the Athletic that were. Going back to our roots, yes, but we're starting up a new venture with the daily podcasting again at a time where it, it, it's so wide open and the parody is there. And there's an excitement about that um, with with diehard fans, I think, and casual fans as well. So it's like just the perfect storm, I think, for us to, uh, and, and like like other podcasters like you and, and Nate and stuff like that, to, uh, to talk about the league daily. Because um, it feels like there's going to be so much to talk about. It feels like every second night, after a big game, after a, a particular play, you're going to be like, oh, there's this team. This team is, could be the one that you know puts it all together come playoff time instead of just having to say that uh, half the time but knowing full well it was always going to be the Warriors or LeBron or something like that. So, yeah, that's the part I'm most excited about, just the, the unknown with a lot of pairings and how new teams will look um because yeah it's one thing on paper to get excited about but we all know once they start playing you can uh there can be some holes or some 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 problems and then just the idea that hey who is going to be playing who's going to be healthy and then who's going to be playing the best ball you know come the playoffs april may and june and will matchups determine uh who goes through and stuff like that that's what's cool that's what's it feels like the regular season's gonna mean a lot more this year Um, and then hopefully that translates into an awesome playoff run again. What
1: stands out to me beyond the wide-open nature of the championship picture, which is, as you said, extremely unusual and extremely exciting— is how wide open everything else is, too. I, I, so yeah. I, I was thinking, I was talking with Kevin Pelton last week about the playoff picture in the West and how basically it seems like almost everybody, maybe like one or two exceptions, you can make a plausible case. And inevitably, some of those will fall apart due to injuries or ineffectiveness. You know, teams are always, there are always some teams that are better and worse than we expected. But Even beyond that, the more basic point, and for selfish reasons, this is something I think about and care about a lot because of what my job is, is that there is a reason to be interested and to be excited and to watch every NBA team this year. That That will not be true when we get into March and April. There will be times that will be a little bit rougher. But in this early stage, I mean, a great example for that for me is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, the Cavs were awful last year they were one of the worst defenses but now they first of all you have the adjustment of a an older college coach coaching in the NBA for the first time, which is an interesting test of a lot of different things that we've been interested in. You know, like, how is that going to work? Is he going to be able to speak to this generation of players? How is it going to work within the organization to have a 67-year-old first-time head coach? Like, that's going to be really interesting. But then the other big move that they made was they're starting two guys who have had the ball in their hands basically their entire lives, in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. So for people who are Cleveland fans, they're gonna have something to watch all year. They'll be watching. I mean, called Sexton's game changed so much last year, and now the Garland Sexton dynamic, beeline everything else, and Kevin Love hopefully playing more. And the Cavs. That remember, I chose, the, I singled them out because they're a team that their playoff chances are pretty distant. There, yeah. you know, a, there are a lot of reasons why you would have them in the, you know, the bottom half of the most interesting teams discussion. But there's still a lot to look forward to, and. For, for a daily podcast, that's a great thing, but also just for fans of the league and, and something that the NBA has done a decent job of and I'd like to see them do a little bit more is cultivating people who are fans of the sport as opposed to fans of a specific team or a specific player because when the product is as good as it is just having people say hey I'll watch whatever's on like if you can give them a reason to believe that then you can get the people who do kind of like in America with football and in Canada from what I understand to an extent with hockey is just just watching the sport not watching LeBron or Steph Curry or your local team because it's worth watching.
0: Yeah. And and it helps if you've got two teams that are that that have an identity, they're playing well and they're playing a close game. And then it's, you know, you're watching that random game and it's a close game into the fourth and uh, and then maybe it's exciting. That's the hope. You're absolutely right, not just the contenders though. Um it's all these like if you just look at the Western Conference, the teams that didn't make it last year um you know like the kings just miss out so they go get a bunch of vets okay is that you know they're trying to come to a contract agreement with buddy healed they're expected like they think they should be in the playoffs they got a new coach they're happy they're pumped so they think they're in the lakers were behind them Well, okay yeah lebron and ad yeah you should be in the in the playoffs the wolves are an interesting you know question mark not a lot there around carl anthony towns but could be exciting to see the type of numbers he puts up will they make a move you know, the Grizzlies, OK, Grizzlies and Suns are obviously still those young teams that are probably not going to be in there. But Pelicans were 13th in the West and the Mavs were right there with them with the same record. I mean, yeah, Zion's must watch already. That team could be good right away. The Mavericks with Porzingis and Luka Doncic, that could be good right away. It's like there, It's like so many of these what appear to be really talented, good teams because of duos, because of depth, they're going to miss out. Like they're just going to straight not be in the playoffs um and hopefully if anything we get into the final month of the season where you know instead of oh yeah this team's a write-off because they're you know they're sort of tanking or whatever you want to call it they're out of the mix i hope we have i hope we just have so many of these teams that are so lumped together that again every night every game feels important because they're trying to get into the playoffs or they're jockeying for position in there i mean i think that could happen i think that this is the year and even in the east sort of similar things with a lot of teams where you're like I mean, yeah, Detroit, Miami, the Hawks on the rise. The Bulls, I actually think, are going to be good. Um, it's it's fun, man. There's not only those upper echelon teams, all these other teams after them. There's a whole lot of teams that think they should be in the playoffs. And, and you could you could convince me right now they should be.
1: It also gets at something that you talked about with the idea of what this Raptors season will be. And it's that... Success doesn't just have to be hanging a banner the next October. It can be having some young players develop or by figuring out that you have the right coach or the right scheme or there are any number of things. And I think there are a lot of franchises this year that could end up being really happy with something that is different from a championship or a conference finals appearance or something like that. The Pelicans are a great example. The Dallas Mavericks, you know, if Luka and Porzingis look like a a great duo, it doesn't have to be that they make these, you know, major strides in terms of wins and losses this year. It could just be the little the little signs and the little inklings. And I think that's particularly compelling in a season where so many teams are going to have to be incorporating new talent. So the, we know right now that the... Clippers we see on opening night are going to be dramatically different from the Clippers that we see in December because Paul George isn't playing, but also different from the Clippers that we're going to be seeing in April, May, and hopefully June because they could make personnel changes at the deadline or anything else, but also just because it takes a while to figure out how the different pieces work together, especially when they are unusual pieces like Paul George and Kawhi and Lou Will and some of the other guys, and what I love about this year is, other than the Bucks, and they have some changes to deal with too, in terms of Brogdon being gone and some other things, that all of these teams and coaching staffs and everything else are going to be going through this process at the same time, and so are we as fans and analysts.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Like what, as interesting you said, like some of these teams, yeah, not winning a title because there's only going to be one win- team that wins a title anyway, what will still constitute like a successful season, uh, be it by the play of their star players or the duos that are meshing well or not. Um, like the Brooklyn Nets, I keep thinking about, like what will be a good season for the Brooklyn Nets without Kevin Durant for an entire year? I mean, 42 and 40 last year. Now they got Kyrie, still obviously some young talent. There's question marks. I get all that. But like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you would assume they're going to want to have a better record than 42 and 40. So a higher seeding probably like is home court advantage. Is a playoff series win? Like, hey, that's a great year. And then we got KD coming, you know, like it is... It's uh, it is going to be interesting to see. Like, and, you know, the flip side of that is like the Pacers without Oladipo. Like, what will for a good chunk of the year, at least? Like, what will they think is a uh, like a good successful year? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's part of the fun here, I guess, trying to figure out what they're going to be happy with at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And it, it'll also be different and based on, you know, the fans and the the front office and everything like that. And that gets into the other dynamic that I'm really wondering about this year, which are inevitably there are teams that have lofty aspirations that don't meet them. And that could be because they were unfairly high or it could just be things didn't work out. And so that I don't know who that's going to be in the West, but it will be somebody because there's so many good teams. And so I've been wondering about if and when those situations happen, how do those teams respond? So Portland has been a frequent one here. I actually think the Blazers are going to be better than kind of the the overall consensus that I'm seeing with the models and everything like that. I just—I'm a believer in Terry Stotts' system, and I think their offense is going to be awesome, but— Let's say, you know, they've they've done all this stuff kind of acting like, hey, we made the Western Conference Finals last year, so okay, let's work let's work from that. But they made the Western Conference Finals in a very fortunate way. I mean, they got put on a soft side of the bracket. I would make the argument that at least three of the four best teams in the West were on the other side, so it's a lot easier to make it through. But if they're gonna define it by, you know, having a good seed or something else, then it can work out. But them, I think the Nuggets and Rockets are gonna do well, but if one of them doesn't, how do they respond? Because so much of the, so much of these teams has been turning over. I wonder who is going to give it the whole year and who is going to give it less because they're always. I, I mean, it's funny. Nate and I talk about personnel moves all the time. One of the things that we've learned is. You always have to you don't know who it's going to be but somebody's going to have a knee jerk reaction because that's just how this league works and part of what makes it wonderful.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right because these GMs got to do something if they want to keep their job and or uh, keep their owner happy or keep the franchise happy overall. That's that's exactly right. Moves are going to be made. We don't know what they are right now, but you know they're coming because somebody's coming to going to come out of the gate slow or some injury is going to derail something so there's a there's a plan B that they now have to to move on that's, that's part of the fun. Um, it's also, I think, exciting to see which teams, uh, you were sort of alluding to it there, like which teams will really care about the regular season, um, more than others, especially in the West. Like it does feel still like, like a nuggets and a jazz team. And maybe it's just the way they're built too. Um, will have more regular season success than some of the other teams, but will it truly matter at all? Um, when you get into a playoff series with them, if it's, you know, Westbrook and Harden, or if it's of course like LeBron and AD or the, or what the Clippers have in Paul George and Kawhi, if they're, if they're lower seeds, I mean, it, is anybody going to care? Probably, probably not, um, in a seven game series. So, but, uh, it's awesome. It's so, it's so, so exciting heading in here. Um, I just I just like have the list of the teams up in front of me and I'm just sort of like going through them in my head like I really am pumped to see like 22 23 24 of these teams uh, uh, when we when we tip off next week.
1: Right, and that ties in with something I, I got. I got asked. I was, um, I was with some friends over the weekend, and they said, "Who are what teams are you most excited to watch this year?" And because there are always you know teams at various different stripes, and I, I, I feel like I'll pass you can you can say as many or as few as you like, but like who who kind of top when on the first blush when I ask you that question, like who are you most excited to see this year? Who stands out?
0: I'm excited. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm excited for a healthy Bulls team with the guys they have. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just high. I'm for some reason, I'm very high on a 22 win Bulls team because I think if they're healthy with these young guys they have, I'd like to see what they got there. Um, with obviously Zach Levine, you know, more time back from the injury, um, looking great in preseason. Whatever you want to put into that, uh, but then Markin and Carter Jr. I love Kobe White. I can't take my eyes off this kid. Just the way he plays, his herky jerky style. It's uh. I find it fascinating. Um, So I'm excited about the Bulls. And I think in the East, they could be like one of those, you know, like an eight seed type of thing. If it's only going to take you 40, 41 wins to get in, it's a big jump I get from 22, but I, I think they have the talent um, to do it. I really do. If, if if healthy. So I'm excited about them. I've always been a big Kings fan. I think I'm just like rooting for some success for them. Um, And I'm a huge De'Aaron Fox fan. So, you know, yeah, look, I know they're they're getting raked recently here with the Buddy Heald situation and, and they're always getting raked about the you know contract for Harrison Barnes. I get that. But um big fan of Mogdanovich, big fan of Bagley, um and there's young talent there. So pumped to see what happens there, and I'd like to see them it's gonna be a bloodbath, but I'd like to see them, you know, sneak into the playoffs and get some reps for some of those young guys. If possible. So those two teams sort of like jump out to me. I know those aren't the sexiest teams by any means, but I'm just excited to see if uh, they can put it together and what the young talent can do and if it's enough to be in a playoff race.
1: A great example of just how many there are, because those, those are both totally valid picks. The ones that I thought of that are a little bit off the beaten path, because yeah, you could say the Clippers and the Lakers, yeah, of course. Yeah. they will be, be, be them, of course. But I, I really enjoy, especially in the early part, but this year it'll be longer, the process of figuring things out. And so for me, that really goes to three teams that, uh, that aren't, are, are outside of the elite. First is the Pelicans. I mean,
0: yes. yeah. Zion
1: is fascinating. I, I saw him play back when he was 16 and couldn't figure him out. I'm still kind of in that phase. And I think David Griffin's going to be learning a lot about how, what pieces to put next to him. Alvin Gentry's already incorporated some really fun stuff. People can watch the, the video that Mike to put out. Like there's some really cool. That was
0: great. Yeah. Turn him into a running back, get him on the move.
1: Exactly. And, and I also love that we have so many good analysts now, Mike being one of them who can take some of these intriguing things that teams are putting out there and the, I think the Pelicans are gonna be at the forefront a lot of a lot of that just because they have such a weird roster. You know, they have how are they gonna figure out the backcourt rotation with JJ and Drew and Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram's gonna fit in here somewhere and Derek Favors and all that. So like the Pelicans they they have this fun combination of a lot of talent that I need to figure out, but also the as you said earlier, the outside possibility that they're actually like legit good. And so yeah. they, they could be that. And if they're not so be it. They they can they it can take them a little bit more time. They have guys like Nikhil and Jackson Hayes, and they can they have a young and all the, all these picks from the Lakers. They have they have a, a long term path and a potentially a short term path, and
0: I'm really interested in that. Number, and they have David Griffin, like you said. Yeah. that's good.
1: <laughs> that's very good. Yeah, and and as we talked about with the Raptors, you know, it's a lot more comfortable to deal with uncertainty when you think the people who are in charge will make good decisions. That is a yes. fundamentally important thing. Number two for me is the Sixers, and their defense is going to be nasty. That part we know, but for a team that has all this talent, how is the offense going to work? How how are Brett Brown's rotations going to work? Can guys like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons take another step forward? Because if they can, then they're a potential title team, and that's pretty exciting. I also love... The way defensively that they match up against the Bucks, like I, I can already pencil that in. KP talked last week about how that is currently by uh, ESPN's. I think it's the BPI projections. It is the most likely playoff series of yeah. all of them, it is because I mean it'll, it probably is going to happen at some point, whatever round. And then the third one is the Mavericks because Luka was my favorite rookie last year. I mean, Trey Young had a wonderful year. Noth- nothing being being below Luka is no shame to anybody. And Porzingis was somebody who I generally thought was overrated and overhyped as a Nick, but that's because he was a Nick and because almost yep. everything that's good there gets amplified. Jeremy Lin was of course the same thing and that was wonderful, but now we get a test I talked about this a lot last year with the Bucs. The Bucs were the test of the importance of coaching in schemes. They largely, other than Brooke Lopez, kept similar personnel, changed the coach, changed the scheme, and became a great team. Now with Kristaps Porzingis, yes, he's coming back from injury, but now we get to see him not only with a great coach, but with more appropriate surrounding talent. And was he just this really, really good player all along that just didn't get the full opportunity to show what he could do because he was playing with the Knicks or is it, is it something different and with all of these the best case scenarios are the most fun you know if the, if it works out and they're they're gangbusters and they're become a super great team but all of the other gradients are interesting too you know if it, it what does it teach us if the Sixers struggle a little bit what does it teach us if the Pelicans you know that maybe they need more shooting around Zion because he's while he's a great player he doesn't do all of those things and the the great thing about the NBA, partially because it's only five guys on the floor at any given time, is there are, there are changes to make that will have a material impact, and it's not as nebulous as like I use the NFL as the archetype here, like oh they need a better offensive line. In basketball, it's a little sometimes it can be a little bit easier to explain what's going on, and, it, and ideally it's easier to fix.
0: Yeah, that's right. I'm glad you brought up the Pelicans and Mavericks because we're doing our season previews with no dunks right now, um, posting them all week long and you know some of the questions are award-based predictions where we're trying to predict who's going to win the awards and we were just talking about coach of the year and i actually think it could be one of these very very rare weird years in coach of the year where it doesn't go to maybe one of the top teams generally it goes to you know first off whoever won the most games uh, well give it to the coach Uh, that happens a lot but i think there could be uh, some clumping up there and some of these guys have already won it that that may not be the case this year um that it goes to them so i was saying i think the last time it happened was 06 07 with sam mitchell the raptors coach at the time he came in with a team that had won like you know 20 some odd games the year prior and then they had won 47 games it was the last time we've had a coach of the year win under 50 games and i could see that sort of happening uh this season I had I brought up the Pelicans with Gentry and I brought up the Mavericks with Rick Carlisle. You could see those teams like thirty-three wins last year, and suddenly they ballooned and shock a lot of people and are in the playoff race and in the playoffs. Well, that's gonna take like forty-nine or fifty wins, probably. So that's a heck of a jump. Same with Boylan if you know from twenty-two and let's say suddenly it's forty-five or forty-four, it's a big jump. I could see it as being a weird year where Coach of the Year goes to uh, a team that was Um, you know, at the bottom of the rankings last year, but now suddenly into the playoffs. Uh, you know, maybe not a Doc Rivers forty-one and forty-one with the Magic, but like a really significant increase, and it goes to one of those coaches instead because they figured it out with the pieces they have. I think that's in play this year. An old throwback to oh six oh seven and Sam Mitchell.
1: It is in play, and hopefully it would not lead to the same, you know, the old Coach of the Year curse, which, which I believe that was a part of. And yep. it, it gets into this idea with Coach of the Year about how oftentimes the best kind of predictor or calibrator there is how a team performs relative to expectations. That's right. And this year's expectations are just so weird. I mean, yeah. because there are all these teams that are either in the, like, like in the West, the high 30s, low 40s, and then you have the kind of the top tier teams or even in the, mostly the low 50s. So, and then the East is its own thing. And so who really defies that understanding of what they are as a team will be really interesting. And. I don't know who that's going to be and and so, as you brought up with like Boylan, is is it about what they were last year, or if in a case like that where the team was injured and not very good do do people see that, or is it maybe a situation where there is an appreciation for a very challenging coaching job, and a team does it like maybe Doc Rivers wins it with a Clippers team that doesn't have a significantly better record than last year, but basically turned over the whole team. But that doesn't usually happen either because everybody knows they're good. They're really talented right. and everything like that. Right. So I- I'm going to be interested in that. It also, you know, voting changes and, and how it works. But it- it's, it's going to be really fascinating. And I I wonder, you brought this up a little bit earlier, but I think it bears repeating, which teams care about the regular season, which teams care about being healthy, and along those lines i think the last 2 weeks of this regular season are going to be completely insane because if there are teams that are lower seeds than you would normally think that teams at the top do not want to play i think we could see some real movement like yeah. let's say the golden state warriors are lining up as the 7 seed and clay thompson is healthy and looking pretty good
0: oh wow
1: then you don't want to be the 2 no <laughs> you don't want to be the 2 seed and so does that lead to a team falling out of the two, trying to fall out to get the three or even to the four or like all those sorts of things. And then how are they playing the three-dimensional chess? And in the West, that ties in with this crazy idea that I've been thinking about, which is because of the Clippers and Lakers incorporating players and being so much more zealous about resting guys, load management for both those teams is exceedingly important. How does that work if let's say theoretically neither one of those teams is in the top three so then the top teams in the western conference in terms of record are not necessarily the teams that we think are the most likely to make it out that's another really unusual dynamic which could even combine with the warriors thing so maybe there's a two seed that gets predicted to lose in the first round
0: yeah oh yeah i mean i don't like this feels like the year where it could be like, what was it, the Rockets as the sixth seed going on to win the title? Like, you could see this being sort of that type of year where someone down there, because of rest, because of injuries, but get everybody back at the right time as you head into the playoffs, being a sixth or seventh seed, um, and still being, like you just said, the favorite um, in a first-round series or to go all the way or for whatever. Like, yeah, that this feels like that could be the year um and man will it be crazy like trying to avoid these teams or your matchups you don't want because so-and-so is playing or they're not i mean you're right i i think it's like the final two or three weeks is going to be just insanity if these teams are as clumped up as they appear to be or or we think they might be
1: and, and one last point on that, as somebody who's now covered the league for 10 years, you've been doing basketball podcasts for longer. Something that happens a lot is people think, in hindsight, that things were inevitable when they weren't. So appreciate the uncertainty that we have right now for what it is. Because at a certain point, whether it's six months from now or two years from now, it will have seemed obvious the whole time. But remember that it absolutely wasn't.
0: Right, right. So all, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, even, like, even with Kawhi with the Raptors, it's like, you know, you're seeing all the lists. It's like a lot of people have Kawhi Leonard as the best player in the NBA right now. Rightfully so. Rightfully so, uh, when healthy. So you're like, well, he was the best player. Uh, he was on a solid team. They played defense. They nearly won 60 games. Like, yeah, that makes sense that they won the title. You know what I mean? Like, you'll maybe you'll look back on it like that. But being in the moment, like, that was not what happened. There were so many, like, what if moments. What if that shot doesn't fall what if, uh, you know, Kawhi doesn't hit that step back against the Sixers and stuff like that, like in game four even? Um, what if they don't suddenly, oh, yeah, maybe we should put Kawhi on Giannis? There's so many, like, there's so many things, like, you're not that far removed from the Raptors being swept by the Bucks for crying out loud, if things fall that way. So, you're, you're absolutely right. You've got to stay in the moment. That's all I tried to do with that Raptors title, was just, like, really, really enjoy it. Just every loss and win um just be in the moment and it made it a lot more fun but it'll be funny looking back like when Kawhi Leonard is uh a couple years from now the 75th uh, NBA anniversary he's uh one of the top 75 players of all time and then another 10 years down the line you're like oh yeah the Raptors won that makes sense Kawhi was on it it's not that simple usually
1: yeah and it's I hope that everybody who complained the last few years about Warriors versus LeBron and oh, everything seems inevitable, that they really savor this year because that's not true right now. And we, if for those who who didn't like the predictability, they're getting exactly what they want, and I'm I'm on board with it either way. You know, the, the, one of the great things about basketball is that kind of whatever whatever circumstance other than if it's shaped by injury whatever comes is going to be fun and is going to be interesting and this will be entirely different than what came before it and the other part of it that I wanted to mention briefly is I don't think we're going to see as much turnover next year so some of the dynamics from this year you'll be watching it thinking okay you know Paul George and Kawhi probably going to be teammates for the next three years or plus you know hopefully a lot longer than that and LeBron AD all those sorts of things and so we're watching it for this year and whoever is the champion but also in Remember, Kem Durant's probably coming back a year from now. The Nets are going to look totally different. And some of these teams, you know, the passage of time is going to help them. Other ones, it'll hurt. And so we get to kind of watch this year being being kind of open to, well, where is this going? And I yeah. think that's going to be fun, too.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's like we're going to be watching a play here. And this will be the first act. And then there will be an intermission after uh, this season. And then it's the second part. That's a great point because there's not going to be, obviously, a lot of huge free agent names out there. And, and there shouldn't be as much sort of turnover as there has been between teams as there was this past See. that's a great point it's a little two-act play here uh which uh, i'm totally in on
1: yeah it, it's going to be absolutely awesome uh I, I will open the floor to you if there's anything else that you want to share with listeners otherwise i will thank you so much it's been a blast
0: no i really appreciate it i'm glad we finally got a chance to talk we'll have to do this again uh danny either you coming on no dunks or, or just me coming and talking to you guys um i, I in fact your, your man, Nate Duncan, just reached out to me. He wants to we got to get some synergy, he said, um, going with the two shows. And I, I, we're totally on board with that, so we'll figure it out. But yeah, Monday through Friday, the No Dunks podcast. You can find it on The Athletic if you don't want to hear the ads. Um, but otherwise, you can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts um apple Podcasts, spotify overcast you know google play all that you can catch it wherever you listen to podcasts we've got the daily show we got some other really fun things lined up and in fact i'm actually going to invite you like i'm going to future invite you right now danny i'm starting a trivia podcast mba trivia podcast um that we're going to be launching soon it's i think it's going to be a lot of fun i hopefully think uh, you know people will enjoy it so I'm gonna try and uh, book you sometime down the line as a as a future contestant on my little NBA trivia podcast, and we'll put your knowledge to the test. How's that sound?
1: It sounds good. Even though I will I will set expectations low now that since I didn't grow up watching the sport, my trivia isn't great. But it'll be I'll, I love doing that kind of stuff, and I'm totally fine getting clowned by whoever in case that happens. But it'll, it'll be a <laughs> blast with you guys. So yeah, so.
0: it'll it'll be fun nonetheless. No matter how many you get right or wrong, trust yeah. me on that. Thanks Absolutely. thanks so much for having me on, though,
1: man. Yeah. Thanks again to J.E. Skeets for taking the time to come on. You can listen to the No Dunks podcast as he, like a professional, just did. You can listen to it Monday through Friday on The Athletic. And so happy to have him as and, and the whole crew as colleagues now. That's pretty damn exciting for me as somebody who's been a longtime fan of all of their endeavors. And you can also, of course, follow him at J E Skeets, J E S K E E T S. Two quick Skeets things that that matter to me, or like just connected with it, that I think you guys would enjoy. First. I believe he was the editor and probably the person who put up the starting five at Ball Don't Lie, which was the first time that I had ever been cited by a major outlet, which was a huge moment for me, getting Yahoo to to run a link to one of my pieces. It did generate a lot of traffic, too, and notoriety and all that. It was something my friends and I were exceedingly proud of, and also... I have this great memory of the first time we met in person, and I, I was going to bring this up, but I'm sure it would have put him on the spot because I guarantee he doesn't remember it. And it was at the 2011 All-Star Weekend. I was pretty new at Real GM, and I think it was one of the first times, if not the first time, the Basketball Jones guys had had been credentialed too. It was in LA, so there was, I think, more space and everything like that. And I met them, gosh, did all that fun stuff, kind of snubbed Trey because he was relatively new at that point, and I was still thinking of the original three. And I had to say, goodbye to them because I was going to cover the celebrity game, which I was not particularly enthused about. And... They were jealous because they were just so into the experience and everything, and they didn't get credential for that. And they were they were they're like, oh man, that would have been so cool. And I, I just remember that as the enthusiasm and the joy that those guys have for the sport, for the NBA in particular, was infectious. It was part of how what got me into podcasts in the first place, and what keeps me engaged with with their material now. And we talked about it a little bit, but like, the you know, the difference in ethos and being true to yourself, and, and I've always loved their place within this world, and I'm so happy that they're still doing it. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, there are a lot of great ways to support the show. You can subscribe, download every episode. That is extremely important for a show like this because it doesn't come out on a specific date or time. It's just whenever I get the chance to record and my guest does, that becomes even more prevalent during the season, which is just about upon us. You can also spread the word. Word of mouth is extremely important. And leaving a rating, leaving a review in the podcast player you are choosing. It's great if it's Apple Podcasts. Understand if it's not. And if you want to be super awesome, if you use another app, you can leave a review both places. And that's another way to, to spread the word out there. And then, of course, the single most important thing you can do for this show and any other that has them is check out our sponsors. BetOnline.ag. Use that podcast one promo code for a 50% sign-up bonus. And fill out that survey, com slash survey. If you're early on, then you definitely get a perk for it. And if you're a little bit later on, you might. And it really does help us. It's a way that advertisers not only can tell who's listening, but also engagement. So more, the more people respond, the more they think you listen to me, and the more likely advertisers are to advertise. And that helps keep the lights on. And I really do appreciate that. If you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, Aru, NBA at gmail.com is the way to do so. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. I do not promise to respond, but I do promise to read because your time is important to me. My time is also important to me. And that's how what makes the show better. There have been a lot of things that I've asked, hey, should I have this guest on, or formatting the show, or different concepts. And it's helped make the show what it is, and I, I really do appreciate that, and that's why your input is so important to me. We'll be back next week. Do not expect immediate reaction podcasts to the early part of the season here because that's what Dunked On is for. Dunked On every day, going to five times a week, starting opening night. And I try to keep Real GM Radio a little bit separate from that, not only because I don't particularly enjoy overlapping myself, but also because the theory of the case is different. And this is supposed to be more of an evergreen thing. That's how I've always intended it. And that's what it's going to continue to be. I I have an idea of the next couple weeks and then, you know, start to get into stories and pictures and everything like that that matter throughout this. You can also, of course, read my work at The Athletic. I wrote a piece on the Bradley Beal extension and have a 30-piece series that's going to start Next week, it got pushed back a little bit because there's so much great work coming out at The Athletic, now in written and audio form, but the editors pushed pushed my thing back a little bit, which has been good because I've actually needed a little bit more time. I'm also planning on doing a, a piece on the Team USA camp that I went to in Colorado Springs last weekend. I don't know the timeline on that. It's basically going to be when I have a few hours to really put my thoughts together on it, maybe early next week. But that'll be fun because it was a very different experience for me. Really did enjoy it, and so I'm mean, going to write about not only the players but also what it was like. And I like doing different things, so that'll be fun. But keep your ears tuned. Real GM Radio will, of course, be back next week. I don't know. The, I don't know the date. I don't know the time. That's why you should subscribe. But it'll be fun. And thank you so much for listening. Take care, and make it a great day.